Do you want to welcome the people back? No. No? You go for it. Right, so welcome back to the Seeker Strength Podcast. This is part three of the five-part five series on how to step up your game. Uh, it's basically Owen just sorting his life out because he's just not taking his training seriously enough. So we're just doing a series of interventions in podcast form and then releasing them to the public. Sounds like you're... Today we're going to talk about his training environment. Sounds like you're projecting on me. <laughs> no, today we're going to talk about training environment. Things you can do to try and optimize it. Uh, a lot of people really, really like the environment they train in. Like, they love the gym. Yeah. You know, they love the crew, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. Uh, but what we're basically going to talk about today is ways you can kind of tinker around with that and make it as best or the best possible environment for you to train in. Or get out of a toxic environment. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's just, just, just in a random tangent there already. For Jeez, that's not like you, Griff. We're one minute and 16 seconds into the uncut podcast and it, it's already on a tangent. It just got me thinking. Right. Um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of waiting gyms now in the Western world. Yeah. Which are just weightlifting clubs. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. Like you see, you see them a lot of them in Australia as well. Yeah, big, yeah, big yeah. Big fucking gyms with yeah. lots of high quality equipment. Or obviously America has tens, dozens, hundreds, maybe not hundreds, but there's a lot of... Uh, there's probably like how many states is there? 50, whatever. Yeah. 52 states. There's definitely two weightlifting gyms per state. Like Yeah, when you put it like that, yeah. there's, like there's... There's a lot more environments than even when I started weightlifting, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you see it a lot in Australia as well. There seems to be a good few weightlifting clubs. Yeah. That is, um, that's just phenomenal as a site for if any of our non-weightlifters, uh, the sport basically went through a massive rise, I suppose, during the kind of 80s and 90s when it was like the Cold War kind of, it, it was weirdly popular. It was 70s, 80s, 90s, yeah. Like it was a, a popular spectator sport in terms of my fucking lads are stronger than your legs, you know. But no one was doing it. Whereas now, it's it's becoming quickly like kind of a, it's like the BJJ of the strength world in some ways. Yeah. It's um, it's very popular with amateurs now. Yeah. Which can only be good for sport. And it is good for a sport. Definitely. And if you look at, like, aside from weightlifting, if you look at just powerlifting gyms in yeah. Ireland, it's probably 50 powerlifting gyms in Ireland. Actually, powerlifting is probably even bigger again. Way bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder in ter- in terms of like speciality sport, yeah. like you know, yeah, because uh, I think you got you've a lot of weightlifter training and CrossFit gyms and training in global gyms or whatever, but for powerlifters, that's not as common. Like yeah. a lot of the time, you do see like if there's a specialist powerlifting box or mm-hmm. or gym in a city, like a lot of people will train there. You actually don't see as many powerlifting gyms though. A lot of times they double because they can. Just yeah, double as, yeah, as yeah, a, like yeah. A, a global gym, for want of a better word. Yeah. I wonder does the rise of amateur weightlifting coincide with the kind of expose of uh, doping and weightlifting? I wonder is it kind of uh, is there anything to do with it? Or I feel like it's probably purely coincidence, but it'd be hard to discount the. Yeah, see, it'd be different if it was happening in a vacuum. But like, yeah, like as we talked about earlier, like adult onset athleticism is is yeah. getting bigger everywhere. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, CrossFit gyms are getting so much more popular. Like all those kind of kind of more serious training modalities are getting so much bigger that it's hard to say it. it's because of one thing or another. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so on a segue from that, <laughs> the equipment would be the first thing on our list. So you essentially you 
basically can't have an environment to train in without a minimum standard of equipment. Yeah, so I suppose the first thing is like defining what an environment is. You know, it's yeah, it's everything physically around you. It's the kind of aura or the actual uh, like the feeling of the environment atmosphere. when you're in it. The at- that's the fucking word. That's the word you're looking. The for. atmosphere, the mm. ambiance. Ambiance. Uh, <laughs> what comedian are you thinking of? Uh, that fucking English guy, the Cockney one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, he's, he's funny. Um, he's funny. What's right. his name? Um, what did he say? It's like ambiances. Where oh, the restaurants? Yeah, yeah. It's like the prices are low enough that middle class people can eat there, but they're high enough that that, that the poor people would eat there. Oh, he's um, Flannery, he, Mickey Flannery, Mickey Flannery. He's so fucking funny. Anyway, uh, so it's more than just the equipment. Like yeah. it's more than just the barbells and plates. It's more than just the building. But there is, of course, a minimum requisite. Like you need, yeah. if you're playing rugby, you need a ball and a pitch. You're playing. Ice hockey, you need a nice ring. Yeah, ice rink. If you're doing S and C work, you need a minimum amount of stuff. Ice like rink. Weight- ice rink. You have to say rink. Anyway. Yeah, weightlifting. Uh, you need. Yeah, weightlifting is probably you need the least gear of any sport. And it would seem except like- running. Well, that's <laughs> not like, a sport, is but it? But like for for weightlifting, you need a platform, plates, and a barbell. And people possibly squat stands. Like the, you could just do clean front squat. Yeah. The initial cost of weightlifting would seem would seem pricey. Like if you were to buy a weight bar and plates, you're like, geez, that's two grand, say. Like if you buy if you go yeah, all you out, get, get a good year, like very good year. You got your platform and your squat stands, let's say. Yeah. But they will last you forever. Yeah. They'll outlast you if you if you take care of them. Like I still have plates that I got when I was like sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. And they're like they're really shite bumpers, but they're like at the back. You can just throw them on if you're loading squats or whatever, you know. 25 kilos is 25 kilos. Like. Yeah. And Whereas, like, like I I had got a rogue bar when I was like 18 then. Mm-hmm. And I just bought two 20 kilo bumpers. You and they're literally, oh, I love the rogue bar so much. But that rogue bar has like traveled around the world with me. And then it went into the gym with me when I opened the gym. Then yeah. it left it like, Joe, it's been fucking everywhere. And like that's seen a lot of work. And it's still in good enough, Nick. I know you hate it all. I hate it. But uh, it's just mostly because I saw two of those road bars uh, shear off. Yeah, I think yeah, you're just... Uh, That's stressful. I'm sure it is stressful. That just doesn't need to happen. Like, <laughs> But no, like it is if you get good gear and it doesn't even have to be like fucking great gear. Mm-hmm. But if it's like the right kind of gear at the start, it will last for a very long time. Like, And it's... You'll probably bring it from like if you get it in your parents' house, you'll probably bring it to your own house afterwards and it'll be gathering dust in the back of the shed then when you stop training but if you compare it to like if you do say you want to play a game of rugby yeah how much hundreds of thousands you need to set up a pitch <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean and people well yeah you need so much more structures around you you need like people look at it the this, squad you need coaches you need yeah. trainers it's crazy you need like, a club behind you you then need a league of other teams that you can play against in weightlifting you just need six sheets of plywood yeah. small bit of rubber for the edge of the platform mm-hmm. a barbell plates and then two h stands and like the initial cost is because you're paying it but the total cost as sports go it's um it's so minuscule part of the again would be cheaper or less i suppose you just need a, one solid bar yeah you don't even need a great bar there's no particular kind of you just need an all-rounder and get your metal plates yeah and metal plates are even they're they're, they're cheap. much cheaper yeah you can get those second hand for like a euro kilo kind of thing yeah which is um very cheap yeah so like it is a bit daunting it's especially daunting if you're like a student or if you're 
only getting into the sport you know and, and you see an investment like that as being like this big yeah. block of money and yeah like it's it's probably 10 times more or no it could be five times more expensive than your gym membership but over the course of a year you'll make the the money back you know uh, so if it is something you're looking to set up at home i'd always go barbell first mm-hmm. get like <sighs> barbells are the kind of thing that like you want to get the best barbell you can possibly afford now yeah you know, like, yeah, it yeah, don't yeah. get, like, don't buy a 140 kilo set with a bad barbell and okay plates. Yeah. I What I do is instead of paying 400 euro for that, I'd pay 320 euro for a good bar. Yeah. Just get a pair of 20s or something and then... There's no up. bad plates. No. There's no, no. Anymore, basically, there's no such thing as bad bumpers. If you are using them for personal use, like, they're just not going to yeah, be... Yeah, yeah. The big difference with bumpers is, like, unless you're squatting 250 or 240 and you can't get the plates on the bear yeah the main difference is like repeated use over time yeah so what i'd say is like if you're if you're in ireland uh go get yourself a fairly good weightlifting bear and then get like d8 plastic chinese pumper plates yeah there's a very cheap brand um xanos or something they're like a spanish okay. they're perfect yeah i know and we got lejuns or something <laughs> <laughs> there's That's so many brands out there's so, but they're all just like shipped in from China uh, in terms of physical equipment for real athletes and other sports there's not really much you have you don't really have much input in these other just going to different places so yeah. for so it's unique in the fact that our weightlifters and powerlifters if you are training at home you can facilitate yourself to a better degree you have more control over your environment in terms of the physical equipment yeah there's kind of it just in terms of actual equipment for everyone else there's nothing really to say really you just you get what you get kind of bar- just, yeah there's yeah because you're not really like you're going to be training with a team or you're going to yeah. be training with a squad or in a, a facility one thing i would say that a lot of people spend a lot of money over the course of a few years picking up things like massage guns or mm-hmm. foam rollers or an ab mat or yoga balls or a kettlebell that they have in the the sitting room and it, it like it's just kind of things you accumulate so if you're like a football player you want to have this stuff because you can tip away at stuff at home but that doesn't really make an, a big impact like if you're looking no. at like performance indicators that's probably not going to make a difference whereas if if you were to add up the money you'd probably spend on your little packet of uh hip bands and and mm-hmm. this foam roller and that yep. foam roller and lacrosse balls like you could get a piece of conditioning equipment do some additional additional conditioning. You could pay if a fitter nearby to make you a sled. That yeah, would be oh infinitely my God. more. Yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be so productive. Uh, a sled, you could get something like a watt bike or a spin bike if you were like, depending on what your sport is. Yeah. Uh, even a rower. Like, I know Concept 2s are expensive. Second-hand ones, are they? They're still pretty expensive. You know, you're probably talking north of 700 quid. That is a lot, to be yeah. fair, I suppose. It's a lot if you're like, if you're... Just an amateur sports player. But like, you, you could literally get a sled made for 50 euro if you know a fitter. 100%, yeah. And there's loads of them that will do it for you if you just go like, can you weld this? And you show it to them and they'll probably make you one. And the thing better. is, you just go on like Rogue website. Yeah. And you're like, this is the picture of what it is. Like Rogue still do the thing where they put up all their dimensions. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounded them. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, so yeah. if you were to get a, a fabricator, this is their... Like this, your man Bill Herringer or whatever his name is talked about this like Mm -hmm. back in the day. He was saying they put up all the dimensions. So if you go to like, if you buy the Rogue Monster cage or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and it costs you $800, they think that 
by the time you go to a fitter and get that exact cage made, yeah. it's going to cost six or seven hundred dollars, and you've no guarantees with it, you know. Yeah, so I, like I don't really agree with what he's saying. I would uh, like, no, but like, yeah, yeah, I know you, what he's you saying. You get right? where he's coming from. No, no, I get where he's. But saying. that's that's but what he I would say. Would. That wouldn't he? He would. He would. It's say his that. business. Yeah, so he'd be dumbass not to say that. <laughs> but what he like? Yeah, that is one thing I would say for the environment. If if you are like doing a home training environment. Uh, and you're looking to step up your game in one way, and this is how you're looking to do it. As a real athlete. Yeah, as a like a field sports athlete or a track and field or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd look at something like a piece of conditioning equipment. If you're somebody who struggles with overtraining, yeah. then don't. fucking don't. <laughs> I, like, I'm, I'm talking about the guy now who could be a big, strong lad, yeah. uh, but their conditioning might lack a bit. Or you could be... Uh, you're a prop and you're not really a bit soft after the winter. Yeah, or you could be like a female rugby player and you're getting a bit older and you're looking for like that edge on the team yeah that could be a great ledge that you have some back yeah, you might be four weeks ahead of people in terms of their uh conditioning work when they get back at the start of the season that's actually a good point they're they are the things you do have control over if you're not if you aren't if you're a kind of a institutionalized kind of sport yeah. rather than the individual ones like weightlifting and like that is that's a big negative in terms of like you have no autonomy in most teams yeah you know it's yeah. like you're told when to be there yeah you're told like you're told when to be there and then you have to be 15 or 20 minutes before that again yeah, yeah you're yeah. told what you're doing you're told what what you do in training yeah. you're told what fucking gear you wear when you play like yeah this is one area you do have some control over on the point of um having shit equipment may not necessarily be a negative thing no there could be something known as building some strength of character which a lot of people could do it i'll be honest with you using a little 32 mil bar well i used a 32 mil bar for most of my first year of weightlifting so obviously there would have been what ul is like the first semester is like 12 weeks and the next one's 15 weeks or something i don't know yeah something like that so i would have been training in ul obviously illico bars or whatever and then during the winter where i was off for like six or seven weeks i had 32 mil bar that my brother gave me gave to me but it wasn't even it was obviously a, a bushing bar like it, yeah, it yeah. wasn't bearings and it probably test. not even bushings at it it was probably just screwed on to the end like it actually was a bull cap at the end yeah and he obviously gave me bumpers which I still use to this day which is strength shop ones like which is testament that bumpers yeah. are just bumpers are bumpers within reason and um, like I use that 32 mil bar a lot of people will remember if they've been following me for a while on YouTube or something like that like that I would have been training in a shed that was not did not have three walls where I was sharing. What? It didn't even have two fucking walls. <laughs> so like, there was like an open side to one. Yeah. Like, and there was like half a wall coming up half of it. Like, so, you know, that, that definitely did build a little bit of character. Like the intensity I brought when I was training myself. The amount yeah. of PRs I hit by myself. I remember one night, I can remember snatching one twelve and a half, basically in the dark, <laughs> in the shed on two rubber mats. Yeah, with the thirty-two mil bar. No, not thirty mil bar. I would have. To, so I bought a York bar after that, a twenty-eight mil one, which I was delighted with. I spent, I spent all, like four hundred euro, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. a big chunk of money at that time. That bar is still a nice bar, still grand bar. Yeah. yeah. So like, I remember, like it nearly raining on me, like nearly fucking snowing on me. There's some times when there was literally ice on the bar, you know, <laughs> and it it wasn't out of choice, you know. People, I don't know. Sometimes people thought I was kind of doing it purpose, like I had no choice. I just wanted to yeah, train, and that was yeah. the best possible option, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like training there was, and I, it definitely did me a lot of good in some ways. Yeah. Like training alone now is zero problem for me. Yeah, it makes zero difference. Like yeah. going to a gym, like Saturday night last night. Now I went at uh, half seven on a Saturday night, and there was it was just basically rain, and it just didn't. Yeah, 
it didn't phase me at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a skill I'd learned, I suppose, and we'll probably we'll keep this for episode five, the mindset. Yeah. But it's important to note like that the environment does really impact your Yeah. So you you can look at things like, Oh, I have a shit bar and I've played some never gonna be good at weightlifting or you can be like, Oh, I gotta get the fuck on with it and I'll, yeah, I need to get like over it. Like hundred kilos is hundred kilos everywhere. Exactly. And like you could also have some, good equipment. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Soft, you know. Like if you get too used to too nice of stuff, you know. Yeah, I think just on the on the point of the home gyms. Before we move on, yeah. If you do have a gym at home and you're like looking to step up your game, whatever. Yeah. The one piece of advice I'd say for everybody mm-hmm. is make the gym cleaner and more organized. Hundred percent. Because like we all, everybody who has a gym in their shed, like. It's, sometimes, it's too easy. It's too some, easy. Yeah, because you're like sometimes the bear just stays loaded. Yeah, stays on the ground, or like sometimes yeah, yeah. the bumpers don't go back, or mm-hmm. you don't sweep the flat. Like, just never leave a bear Mallow, loaded on the squat rack. In Mallow, yeah. when I was training there last year, like nearly every day the the platform got mopped. Yeah, you never mop the platform at home, you know. Mm-hmm. And it like it it takes it later over the course of your training session, it's a percent. Yep. If you train for 90 minutes, like spend one fucking minute yep. sweeping the platform. Like it just, it makes, it makes your next experience so much better yep. and so much more positive. And it's like, it, it's a great reframing exercise as well. Like we'll talk about it in a few weeks time about. Yeah. Just facilitate your. Yeah. Reframing and yeah. like separating out the things. But that's a very nice way to finish a session is yeah. clear your gear away. Have some sort of like yep. organizational infrastructure there you know yeah, that, that it's not just like yeah. oh should I just throw the bar there into the corner and then should I just leave the squat racks out and, and the plates kind of wherever I take them off you know just yeah, make just, a box yeah like like facilitate give yourself the possibility to clean up after like make the room first exactly like, set yeah. up the gym and like this this sounds so so small and sure it makes no difference it yeah. makes such a difference when like, you walk into the gym the next time and yeah, you're like exactly. oh the bar is now clean it doesn't need to be fucking scraped off yeah uh the squat stands are at the back so i don't have to move the squat stands before i start mo- warming up uh the plates are like i don't have to take four 20 kilo plates yeah off the fucking ground to get yeah. the 10 kilo plate that's underneath yeah because i was l- lazy when i was unloading for squats like small little things just make it so much easier to make that environment a hell of a lot better and to make it a lot more conducive to like good training experiences Klockoff meant like Dimitri Klockoff was a, a weightlifter from Russia and if you're not a fair weightlifting and he talked about the training hall being freezing cold in the winter and they have to train like some of the bars are shit and he said they like train in full tracksuit tops yeah. and pants like to because it was so cold in the gym there was other weightlifters here. Dmitry Klokov, sorry, in that IWF documentary. Yeah. Did you see the bat at the back of his house? I did. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. his dad was like a very good weightlifter. He, I think he got was he world champion or silver at world championships. He never uh, he set a world record. Was it? Yeah. So he said he clean jerk two fifty at like um at one. Oh, was it like one ten or one? Okay, or something like that. Something yeah, crazy. like he was a fucking legit weightlifter. Something he was but, great, legit. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. when. Dimitri was a young fella they built this small little uh, like stone tub at the back door of the house that was mm-hmm. filled with water and yeah. every single morning he had to jump into it <laughs> what a tough little bastard like that that is and he says it in the documentary he's like yeah. yes I think maybe this makes me tough in the brain yeah that's like just try not to count anything out that you're doing I suppose like try and make everything as positive as you possibly can yeah. or use it in a way yeah uh, moving on or the next we have the gym, gym you're training in so 
again, this is just kind of a follow on from your equipment. It all kind of messed into one. It's it's what you make of it too in some ways. Yeah. Like for for weightlifting and powerlifting, you are limited in the things you have to do in the gym because your sport is in the gym. So your kind of your freedom of movement in terms of exercise selection or what variations you do is very limited because you at the end of the day have to do your competition lifts. But if you are a real athlete as as we term them, you basically it's more your gym defines what you're doing rather than what what equipment you have available as much as what yeah, your program yeah. needs to be because you have a lot more uh, kind of flexibility. Yeah. But of course, uh, gyms are getting way more like w- way better equipped now. So than, nice. Like so much nicer. <laughs> like local clubs like in a lot of countries have like good solid gyms where yeah. you can basically do anything you need to do, I suppose. Yeah, one thing I would say on like the environment of training in a gym a lot of the time people think that like, oh, they've got to be training with, like, so say if I'm a weightlifter, I've got to be training with loads of other weightlifters and that's the best place for me possibly to train. Like, that might not necessarily be true at all. Like, if you look at what you do in Mallow, yeah. like, Mallow seems to be a very, very good environment for you to train in. Yeah. Yet nobody's weightlifting there. No, no. You know, like, you've got some good crossfitters, mm-hmm. but then you've got a lot of, like, just sound people yeah. who are good people to spend time around. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't, like... Training on my own isn't something I do on purpose. Like I don't yeah, purposely yeah, yeah, avoid yeah. training people. I like when there's other people there, yeah. but at the same time, it doesn't phase me. Like, but obviously, it's like training with positive, like people who are training hard as well, makes a big yeah. difference. Like, and like I think just seeing other people working hard is more important than having somebody who's in the same weight class as you hitting similar weights. Yeah, because it is like it's something that that can be great for four or five weeks leading up to nationals, mm-hmm. or it can be great for a few months just if you've like three or four people all weightlifting and they're all kind of following a similar path mm-hmm. but it, it can also lead to a lot of fucking negativity do you and burn. yeah like we've had some experience of that like yeah. where you'd see um people training together and then someone might hit a pb and then the other person is wondering why they're not maxing out and things like i think you just need to find like training in terms of getting psyched up and being very very like a high level of stimulation is, is important, but having like a comfortable environment to train in is a hell of a lot more important. Like an environment that people are genuinely happy to see you when they see you. Like, yeah, yeah, it's very, very important. Yeah. Like the, the shark tank isn't always the best place to train. Um, But training with people who are good and who train hard is incredibly important too. Yeah, yeah. Like it does help if you were yeah. in... If, like, but look at those. If you look at Miso, Miso Asana is a weightlifter from Qatar, and he is basically the only weightlifter in his gym. Yeah, but he has friends. Literally, yeah. he's an entourage who just come to the gym. He's, yeah, his physio is one of his best friends, and he has a fit ladder who doesn't even lift. Who just comes to visit him. Your man, his friend came of his own accord one evening just to talk with Miso while he was training. Yeah. Like it's um like they recognize the importance of a community in that aspect, and like they were saying, you don't have to be all training for the Olympics. No, it could just be people in the gym. It's nice to have people around, like people are like tribe orientated, like it's something, yeah. you know, like it, it resonates with you to be part of a crew. And it also holds you accountable too, is training with people subconsciously, even if people aren't looking at what you're doing and you, like, you know, they're not really watching you, but in your head, a lot of times you may hold yourself a little bit more accountable subconsciously or consciously that you're, you put the, your best foot forward a little bit better, like, cause you want to do better in front of other people. Yeah. And you may not even know that. Yeah. And I think... Like if you look at Miso's situation in particular, when he has, like he has friends who are throwers coming in 
and then yeah. like Joe they're doing their own training Misa's doing his own training yeah but it's a very very positive experience for everyone yeah. just to just to have that another lead athlete training 100% yeah you can also I suppose and like in team environments we see a lot of like uh, I suppose it gets a bad rap where we see like the entire American football team surrounding one of the people oh my god and he's doing a max hand clean oh my god I with straps it, so much. it it is um in one way, when you look at it from a practical point of view, like an injury prevention or injury causing really is what you're probably looking at. Yeah. It's not great. But if you remove yourself from that aspect and you you put yourself in that aspect of the kind of camaraderie you'll feel with your teammates. 100%. It's so, when you're many, on the pitch. so many of those videos you see yeah. are like 16 and 17 year old kids. Yeah. And they're fucking hang power cleaning 400 pounds. They're hyped. like You know, like they, those boys fucking get after it. Like the strife you've been through there is, yeah. is like some of the stuff you do. And, like, and that's like, we talk about it all the time of like, if you're an athlete who plays with field sport, yeah. the stuff you do in the gym isn't going to win games for you, you know, but it might yeah. stop you losing a game or it might stop you getting injured. But if you can build, like, if you can have that level of support during something incredibly difficult, you might be getting something that's a lot more valuable than just your top set of squats. Yeah. You might be getting, like, that additional player buy-in or, I'm sorry, now we're going to have to pause for can a second. Can you hear the vuvuzela in the background? <laughs> oh, my God. There's a, a little tiny pug underneath Not us. Not a pug. She's or whatever the fuck she pug, is. Charles. And she is about to explode with how loud she's snoring. Look how comfortable she looks, though. That's okay. bliss. You'll never be that comfortable in your life. Anyway, so <laughs> to moving continue on. on with the train, like, but when you bust out into the pitch after hand cleaning, four oh eight or whatever the fuck it is with yeah. your buddies six yeah. months back in the gym, and they're all there with you, like you're going to carry that with you. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's a reason I suppose in buds where they all carry the fucking logs together, the lifeboats. Yeah. Like, there, there is str- or camaraderie too. Like misery loves company, kind of thing. Yeah, hundred percent. And what like, do you do then if you're in a shit environment though? Like, what if you're with a bad team? So let's give an example of like. If you're training in a... Okay, you're training in... Let's see you doing strength conditioning with the lads from the team. Yeah, and it's very negative and people don't like being there. And see, people, yeah. So, like, you see that all the time with team sports that you yeah. have. You might have a few of the fucking younger lads and a few of the older lads like, geez, I, I don't need this at all now for my... Like, yeah, I, yeah. I always play better when I don't do gym work and that'll just slow me down. Yeah. I think, like... So the coach obviously has a huge effect over that environment. Yeah. And the coach has to make it very fucking clear at the start of the day that, like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. It doesn't matter fucking if people want to be there or not. Yeah. This is what we have to do. This day we'll get over it. And you'll always have, like, bad apples, you know. What do you do then as an individual athlete? Let's say the coach isn't really leading as he should be. There's people talking shit about what they're doing. They don't think they need to be doing it. They saw someone else doing something yeah. else and they think it's better. Yeah, yeah. Do you just do you just own it, your session as much as you possibly can and get on with it? Yeah. But you're supposed to then, you're still in an environment where you're not really cohesive as a team then though. Is there anything you can do as well, a, what I, can you leave so there's the two front? ways to look at that, right? Yeah. So when you're saying like you're not really cohesive as a team if you're owning your session and well, you're saying like so take for example Yeah, let's say the rest of them aren't they're like, This is why we fucking do Yeah, and you're like, in a group, you might be three people on the same platform and yeah. two of them don't give a fuck and you're the person who's just trying to be really positive. Yeah. So there's a, the first way of looking at that is like the boys are, aren't going to give a fuck and nothing you're going to do is going to change that. Mm-hmm. And it's not your job to change that. Like, it's your job to train. It's your job to be the best athlete possible when you're doing your session. Yeah. The other side of it is, is when you go out onto the field and you've taken control over, so like when you're actually acting in your sports role or whatever you're doing, yeah. uh, 
when you go out onto the field and you've been able to say, okay, look, this was the environment I was in. People weren't training hard yet. I took responsibility and I completed my task of whatever that task needed to be. Yeah. Then when you come across some adversity on the field or, or like whatever arena you're playing in. Yeah. So take, for example, uh, you're playing and your teammate gives away a, f- a free or a penalty or gets a card or gets sent off or whatever. Yep. You now have the ability to say, I act independently of this person. So I don't rely on big John, the captain, uh, I can make decisions for myself. Yeah. And it like, that's incredibly important in a team where like, you can't all be sheep, you know? Yeah. Like everybody doesn't need to be Superman, but then you definitely don't need to be 14 sheep and one shepherd. So having that ability to say, yeah, okay, look, I'm here to do a job. I'm not going to fuck the lads out of it and try and change their opinion. But it like, if you're a leader, that probably is one of your jobs. But if you're just a normal player, your job is to go in, get your fucking session done, do it to all, like to the best of your ability, and that will carry on into your actual sport. Kind of moving away from the, <clears throat> if we move back to our weightlifters and partners a bit, yeah. I would definitely take the time to, if you say currently do train at home, or you train in your global gym, or you train in your non weightlifting specific gym, I would definitely make the effort as frequently as you as feasible is to travel to gyms where. There is a good environment. Yeah. You might be in a, maybe a neutral environment. Everyone's indifferent to you training. Yeah. There's people present, but it's not really positive or negative. I would definitely try to go to a place where mm, there's good athletes, good coaches, or maybe more specific equipment, like a, a weightlifting-specific gym or a part of thing-specific gym where you know there's a crew training and try and kind of immerse yourself in that when you do train. Yeah. Like, it can be... Some people are more kind of receptive to that kind of environment. Some people will get more out of that, I think. For other, sure. Other people, it might not make any difference. They might be able to intrinsically push themselves as much as possible. But it's good. I think everyone would benefit a little bit from like going to a gym where, let's say, you're, you're an 85 and you're doing 110, 135, right? Yeah. And the next big milestones are like 120, 130, yeah, yeah. or 120, 160 or something. And there's an 85 there doing those numbers. You know, it's or he's closing in on them, or he's done them, you know, it's kind of, or at those numbers, it's good for you to kind of go, not chase him as such, but... But just even, even things like bouncing ideas off people. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, jeez, uh, I'm having How this. much trend are you taking? <laughs> but no, like, it, like in weightlifting, there's so many tiny, and in powerlifting as well, there's so many tiny little technical things. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, Jesus, I'm fucking, my grip when it goes overhead, it seems like my right wrist is further back than the other thing. And it might yeah. be like, oh, you probably don't need to grip the bar as hard when yeah. you're squeezing off or whatever it is. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Those tiny little things are things that you probably don't need every day. You know, like you probably don't need your coach there with you all the time. But then when you have a good environment, you'd be like, lads, do you ever come across this? Or, geez, I'm having this issue. What do you think about that? Or will I that changed this. System in time? How does this look? Yeah. Will, what? That, will that be out of my system? In time? <laughs> Uh, just one thing on the yeah. so like going to different gyms yeah so we have a lot of people listening who are like they might work somewhere and then at the weekends they train somewhere else or yep. like they're not trading in the same gym all the time I think it's very good to understand like take what's best from the environment you're in and then try and plan around that yeah so if you have four sessions a week and you tend to do two wherever you're at work or wherever you're in college or you might do two like in the city and then you do two at home at the weekends and you know, uh, geez, they've really good squat racks inside in the in whatever gym I usually train in during the week. 
but we don't have great squat stands at home. Uh, yet I have a good barbell at home and the bumpers are nice and people don't walk in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like, then you try and bias your strength work where you're in a good environment to do strength work or try and get away from doing your heavier singles when people could be walking in front of you or the gym could be really busy uh, or like the sequence of your session might be fucked up because you're on a platform and then, all right, sorry, you arrive at the gym and you have to do snatches and then clean and jerks, yet somebody's on the platform, so you have to do your squats first. You know, like, have a bit of, like, do a bit of reflection and say, like, Jesus, you know what? Like, when I train at the university gym, their strength stuff is really good or the machines they have to allow me to do accessory work is re- are really good, so it's probably a better idea that I, I hit my accessory work really hard there when I'm in that gym and then when I'm at home and it's cold in the shed mm-hmm. I or like it's cold in the CrossFit gym or there's a CrossFit class on so I can only train for an hour I can really prioritise my lifts like it, just make the best out of whatever environment you're in sometimes you can be you could have an embarrassment the riches and make no benefit of them like there's a gym there in city close to us like FlyFit or whatever yeah like when any time we train there there is st- more there's different pieces of equipment and like oh there's machines so much gear there that you just never use you know yeah then, like sometimes you may go you may like the idea of going to a gym where you're like oh, oh there's all this stuff but in reality it might be of no use to you i suppose yeah but um, I, like we're as guilty of that as anyone else yeah like you know i fuck it after some sessions there i really 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 should be doing more like back extension work or glute ham raise work mm-hmm. and like I tend to just fucking do that whenever I realize it rather than being like, oh, I'm in Mallow today. I'll yep. use their GHDs for that. Or yep. like wherever, like if it's down in Tralee or something and they actually have a reverse hyper, like fucking thinking about that when you're thinking about what you're going to do for the week in training and say like, yeah, look, maybe I'll swap this around. I can do my planks and push-ups when I get home mm. or I can do whatever when I'm in in the gym at home. Like, but um, Just as we were talking about home gyms we actually did an episode and set up your own home gym um well let's say about 20 30 episodes ago so if you want to scroll back and look at that what we're actually going to do as well is we're going to build a gym at the back of Owen's house he just hasn't agreed to it yet uh and that's going to be a multi-part youtube series so just keep messaging Owen, make sure he puts in for the planning permission you don't need uh, permission for that you can no. lay a slab without yeah you can lay a slab but you can't build a fucking gym on top <laughs> yeah but you can, you can put a steel tech shed or something <laughs> Anyway, all right, moving on. Down just keep pressuring going through that because we're going to do it. Um, owns up for it. So, <laughs> uh, so your environments may you may kind of think it's limited to just the equipment in the gym around you, but the environment, of course, in terms of our series, it's kind of a an existential kind of series more than a nitty gritty. Yeah, and part of that too is your basically you mean wishy washing instead of nitty gritty. Like, <laughs> is your, for example, your home environment, and so we have. That, or your outside of gym environment and that, that encompasses a whole lot of shit that will affect your training almost more than it will than training with a generic weightlifting bar or a Lico barbell yeah. it will affect it so much more than you'll ever really know until you maybe change it if you're not in a currently good place with it or it will make it the difference between having no kettlebells or some kettlebells or some shit like that like that, that all that stuff is like superfluous it's nothing yeah. like we mean stuff like do you like someone asked me a question there and I, I misread it actually so remember someone said my parents support my part or my parents do support my powerlifting dream what should i do but i miss i'm so what he actually said was my parents don't support my powerlifting yeah what should i do 
I thought he'd said, my parents do support my powerlifting, what should I do? I was like, oh, just train and see where you end up. But what they actually said was they don't. So, like, are you in an environment where your parents are like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. And you may be in a situation where you don't have any money and you have yet to move out and you yeah. you can't train or you can't do that. And that's just a very shitty environment. Or you may be in somewhere where you have, let's say, you have 18 kids and your wife does not approve of the gym. Yeah. You know, you can be in situations like that and they're, they are much harder, much harder, unfortunately, to train. But we'll make the assumption that everyone listening to this is heavily involved in their whatever the fuck their poison of choices. Yeah. And they facilitated their life as much as possible. Yeah. I would say begin to look at how can you really, like I would always, we would always recommend the low hanging fruit first. Yeah. So we always go for what's the easiest thing you can get. And like the same way we spoke about having a bit of organization if you do have like a gym of your own or training mm-hmm. at home or whatever i think that, so this is another small thing but having your fucking gear bag organized yeah have it so it's not just like thrown in the back of your car and yeah. then next time you go to go training you're trying to fucking grab pants and shoes from it like i'm as guilty of this as anybody at certain stages where it's like stuff is thrown everywhere and i'm like oh, I have to take my car to training, not your car, because I know there's stuff in my car, but I'll have to find it when I get to the gym. Like, that that's a, a genuine concern most of the time. So, like, I think just having that and having it, like, every time you come home from the gym, you unpack your gear bag. Yeah. Every time you come home from the gym, you, like... Air out your D-sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, like, those small things make such a difference. And then it makes such a difference that, like, if you're used to coming in and you fuck your gear bag into the hall and there's dirty shoes there or like dirty rugby gear there or whatever and the bag stinks and then like your wife or husband or whatever walks into the hall and they're like oh yeah. my god that gear bag fucking stinks like when you and it make sure what you do in training doesn't negatively affect what you do at home or yeah. negatively affect what you do in work like when you see people coming into work and they're just like fucking haggard mm-hmm. you know and they're like they leave a fucking dirty lunchbox in the locker that kind of stinks. Yeah. But like, because they haven't been organized, like just setting aside five minutes to be like, oh, I'm just like, no, I'm just in for the gym now, but I'm just going to go and put my gear in the wash. Yeah. Uh, I'm throwing my gear bag down into the back room just so it's not there. And then I know next time, like you'll probably say 15 minutes next time you go to train yeah. because all your gear is exactly where you know it is. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're prepped. You you have fresh clothes. You put them on. It feels nice. You're not flustered because you can't find your. You look great. You look great. A new Seeker Strength T-shirt. Look good. Lift good. (laughs) Like you, you are ready to go. You're not flustered. You haven't wasted like they were saying 15 minutes looking for your training gear, your training pants, your training shoes, or whatever the fuck it is. And you're, you've different mindset. Then you've began a series, kind of a cascade of events where you're on point. Like this is this session is going to be like an. Like you, you've probably you've obviously listened to the nutrition episode if you listen to this episode. Yeah, and we talked about like I don't think nutrition will increase your genetic potential maxes, but it will facilitate good sessions every session, which may lead you closer to your max. And I think this is another one of those things where you're like, I have my training bag and my belt is strapped around my bag, and I know exactly where my straps, my knees are, and I know what pants I'm going to wear tonight, yeah. and I wear t-shirts, and I have my nice fucking hook grip socks yeah. and your our seek strength socks in a few weeks, and you. You know, everything is like you've be you've started how you mean to go on, whereas if you just you know like everyone knows what it feels like to be rushing. Yeah. And then you've set off kind of uh you've disorganized your mind leading to the training session. I'd, just one thing, if you think about this from 
like peel this all the way back if you were to waste the time you do at home mm-hmm. sorting out your stuff or at work sorting out your stuff before you go training if you were in the gym and wasting that much time imagine what your coach would say yeah if you arrived at the session and for 15 minutes you were piss asking about the place trying to find your socks mm-hmm. or whatever it is like the laces in your shoes are broken and you haven't got new laces and you're running around the gym seeing as there are no pair of shoes around if you were doing that at training once mm-hmm. if you did that once every six months you would get fucked out of it yeah yet we seem to think because we're doing it at home and it's like they're not fucking out of it because you're wasting their time or like whatever they might be doing that a small bit but it's a lot more likely they're fucking out of it because your head's not in the the right place yeah yet we seem to think it's all right to do that at home before we train and then run out the door and then just because we arrive at, at the session on time it's okay Imagine if you had to walk around the gym looking for each individual place, like they were just in random places. Oh my god! Imagine how long each in between each set, you know, yeah. those kind of things are. That's a, like how many kind of think of it really. Yeah. Um. So that is something I'd say. Just having like set routine, like it sounds so fucking nerdy. Yeah. It does. Like like my gear bag goes at the bottom of this press. Yeah. And the top of this radiator is for my knee sleeves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, that's 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 what you need to do. That's exactly what you need to yeah. do. And I said it earlier that like nothing to do with your sports should ne- negatively affect what you do at home or negatively affect what you do in work. Yeah. Oh my God. Huh. Stick to that as a rule for the rest of the time you're training and it will make your life so much easier. Uh, so moving on from that then, other low hanging fruit, including in the environment, of course, is like prepping your lunchbox, following on from that kind of organizing yourself, like making your lunch every day, having the right foods you have in your house, enough of them to eat for your lunches and for your food or whatever like for example i i eat before i train so you just want to make sure you don't want to come to the house after work and you're like fuck i don't have my steak and rice then you have to go to the shop and go make it you're wasting time or you don't eat it you eat something else you're not used to like you just don't want to do that to yourself like just don't ruin like you want everything just stop mcdonald's there for a Eating chicken strips <laughs> for quarter pounders, like you want to facilitate yourself as much as possible. Like you want to set it up that it's just absolutely seamless. Like that, yeah. the, this is just the way you live your life. So it's not even a conscious decision that you, like, you do that thing with your gear bag. Or you, is there any kind of stresses you can think of that people could minimize that are not necessarily obvious? Like, like do you? Is I, do you like so one one stress I think is people try and do more then they probably have time or they probably are afforded to do. So I think... In training. Yeah. I think a lot of the time people will be like, oh, I'm going to... like, They might do a two and a half hour session uh, three or four times a week. And then for the whole of that day, they're trying to catch up or they might go... So they might go to the gym every night and then they have no week night to try and like catch up on other jobs they need to do. Whereas they'll probably be a lot more productive if they have they don't train Wednesday nights and then on Wednesday nights they can do whatever they need to file their taxes when they're at home there's like a set amount of time to do things when they're not training and it's not just this thing of like no I go to the gym every day like or if they train in the mornings it might be no harm for them to have a morning where uh, like they can meal prep halfway through the week if you get what I mean like rather than it being Sunday night they spend three hours meal prepping and then they have to freeze half their meals and they take the meals out throughout the week. Whereas you can just do an hour of meal prep Sunday, an hour of meal prep Wednesday, and that will carry you through a lot more. Like 
those kind of things minimize stress hugely. Or yeah, like Dar was saying, just remove some of your training. Like, does it really need to be there? And there's probably a good chance some of it does. There's a massive chance actually that it doesn't need to be there. Some of the stuff you're doing probably just does not need to be there. Yeah, like, do you need to squat two or three times a week? Yeah, or, do or you, like, yeah, or it's even things like is eight sets of pulls too much? Like, will three sets of pulls get the job done? Like the time you're wasting, and it's and it's not. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that you're not training hard enough and that you're not committed, that you're not really training as well as you could, like you might be holding yourself back. But if you look at it objectively, you might be doing what's known as kind of, let's say, junk volume in that regard. Yeah. You might be doing too much for no reason, like for no real benefit, or it could even be uh, actually a net negative. Like you could be doing stuff that's a waste of time. And not only is that overstressing you, doing too many pulls, maybe ingraining the wrong pattern, let's say that takes an extra 15 minutes and you didn't have your gear bag so you wasted another 15 minutes and then you didn't have your meal prep so that wasted half an hour so then you get to bed even, even if it's just half an hour four times a week yeah exactly and like you don't and you and then four times a week instead of getting to bed at half nine because you get up at five o'clock you get to bed at 10 and then you still get up at five o'clock are you like you know you don't really think of those things but it's um it's like all those like 0.25 percent yeah consistently every week is what make you a lot better than you think it will I think just in so we talk about having like positive attitude or whatever like environment will affect that so much we're not even going to get into mentality or or any of that because we'll talk about that in a few weeks but just having like having your stuff in order allows you to be so much more positive because you're not running around asking for things you're not brushing people off me like oh shit I, I can't meet up now on Sunday I'm busy because Sunday is your only day to do anything that yep. isn't training or working. Like, be efficient with your time. Don't be afraid to cut the, like, promise very little and then deliver on even more than you've promised on. Mm-hmm. Or like, don't over-promise and deliver less. Promise less, deliver more. So one thing in environment that is, it kind of falls into the category of one of these five and I think it's it's just crazy important is is facilitating good sleep yeah. as consistently and as much as you can possibly get basically like there is for people who train a lot it, it's just not possible you just won't hit the upper limit like it just no, no one does like no one is oh, no. no one bar full-time athletes will do that and no one like your your best bet should be to aim for that but in reality you won't even get close to that no like i would say i would prefer if you had shit or nutrition but great sleep all the time because no matter what you do if you don't have good sleep it's all for naught, basically. Yeah. Like, it, it is just for nothing, really. And we're at two very different ends of the spectrum in terms of sleep. Yeah. Like, you know, you've, like, worst case scenario for me. Yeah. Best case scenario for you. Yeah. And it's fucking horrendous. <laughs> Joe, like... You're on it now, though, to be fair. You're trying I'm to... trying to sort it out. Well, you've made the decision to try sort it out, which is better <laughs> than just not doing anything. I've admitted I have a problem. Literally, like, yeah. it's... it's, uh, it's so like if you look at like the long-term side effects aside of like not getting enough sleep or whatever the hell you just look at them day by day like so there's so many negatives yeah. not getting enough sleep like you're even if you think of it even if you go farther back then did you recover enough from training did you have enough energy if you go farther back from that again yeah. just not having enough sleep puts you in a bad mood <laughs> like it it's a negative uh mental zen you know like the magnets won't be positive sorry what your old crystals be down like you know <laughs> No, but you're like your attitude. <laughs> if like, you get a salt lamp, that will help, though. <laughs> like the, it is, uh, it has been studied, of course, that like doing your, your, your kind of look outlook on the day is 100%, way yeah, down. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's going to be a, more, a negative outlook when you are getting less sleep. Like do you know, on just a little side note there on crystals. Do you know on those, on those studies where they look at your outlook of the day, yeah, 
uh, and its relationship towards sleep. Yeah. So there's a correlation, but the correlation is the exact same for the amount of sleep you think you got. Yeah, yeah. So no, they I can, would that, yeah. Yeah, so they can do it where they'll like, they'll wake you up, you know, yeah. so you're like sleeping in a, oh, most of those studies are done in like army barracks where it'll be completely black and they'll wake you up and they'll put you to sleep. Yeah. They'll track your sleep. And you can get someone who's had eight hours perfect sleep yeah. or three and a half hours perfect sleep. Yeah. But if the eight hour person thinks they got three hours of sleep, yeah. they'll be like, oh, I feel shit. Yeah. Whereas it like, you know, it's so funny. It's just your brain. Yeah. Like, well, I evol- imagine that only goes for so long, though. Like, oh, yeah. Like but after- in terms of like, it makes perfect sense in terms of like evolution that your brain is like sleep is so fucking important. Yeah. And you've slept thousands of times too long and thousands of times too short. Yeah. And your brain understands that. So then it punishes you for uh, undersleeping. And then like... The scaling of that, how much sleep you need, like an animal scales with your body mass and like how many beats per minute you have. Yeah. So whales sleep for like half an hour because they're like the most efficient animal. Boom. And it's the biggest you can possibly be with those. Boom. Well, still being like a, a fucking warm-blooded animal. <laughs> Whereas like... Other animals sleep for 16 hours a day because they're not as efficient or whatever. Seiko, I would say, sleeps. This is my dog. Yeah. I'd say Seiko is asleep. Not your rifle. No. Uh, <laughs> Seiko is easily asleep 19 hours of the day. And she's happy she for is. She is a gorgeous looking black Labrador. Look how happy those two are. Like. Look at those two. Little snoring yokes. So like sleep is, uh, and this is the only place we can kind of fit it in. And I know it, it's a little bit strange, but it's so important to everything. Like that you facilitate just if if you were right now and you're thinking, Jesus lads, I need to fucking start my shit out. Even if you think so if sleep is something you've never ever thought of, that's gonna be the biggest fucking game changer. People fucking ask me on those Q and A's, they're like, Oh, what's the minimum number of hours of sleep I can get? Yeah. I, I wanna like It's but if you told them right, if you nobody ever asks you being like how small could my squat be yeah but i'd still be a happy person or how small <laughs> could my squat be but i'd still be legit like yeah. nobody asks you that because no. they're like bigger is always better sleep is the same yeah like i they um they have there is one study done as cuban weightlifters i think or cuban wrestlers where they like cubanos like cubanos that they were sleeping for like oh was it 10 hours a day total or something or like an yeah. hour an hour nap but like nine hours sleep at night like they there is just no end to the positive benefits of more sleep. Like, you will never, ever regret getting more sleep. Yeah. You just won't ever. It'll never be, oh, fuck, why did I... Like, you're not going to be Unless like... Unless you wake up late for work. <laughs> no one's going... Like, you don't ever go, oh, I ate way too much fucking steak there. Yeah. You're you're like, you're like, fuck, why did I eat all those cookies? Yeah, yeah. Do you, that happens all the time. Those delicious cookies I baked last night. <laughs> you know you're never going to be like damn i got 10 hours sleep again fuck this is the sixth week yeah. in a row like you're never going to be like that and you know why that is like cause you know sleep is so important and like, like a lot of the stuff we've spoken about today is time management things and organizational skills yeah that you don't think of be athletes being good at or that are really important to your like prowess as an athlete but mm-hmm. all those things if they add 30 minutes extra per, of sleep per night yeah right like that's gonna add that'll That'll be better than having better parents. <laughs> uh, Gabriel never really talked much about his environment, or we didn't. We didn't kind of engage much with that. I must ask him about that no. next time. Like he never well, really. No, he spoke about like when they were like sixteen. Yeah, and they'd all go. Yeah, so they'd leave the sauna. Yeah, go straight to the training hall and then see what the maximum of the weight they could lift we must... while naked and unwarm. When he's back now, we need to. When in, he's back in a few months, we're gonna we'll ask him about that because yeah. We got a great look at Miso's environment, and obviously that is tailor-made. Yeah. Like, if you listen to any, uh, so 
uh, weightlifting house stuff he was saying that uh, him and uh, Ilya were going to the cinema one night because they, they were all in Qatar for the competition and Misa was genuinely stressed that Ilya wasn't just going home and sitting on the couch doing nothing like he was like well, yeah. why are you going for competition in a few days like yeah so like like Mi- Miso spoke about in between the morning or like the early afternoon session and the late afternoon session he doesn't he, he's not allowed to leave the house like he just sits in his room he said just sits in his room watching movies said yeah. he, he's brought food like his, his mother or father are making yeah like he just won't leave the compound like but he understands 100% and yeah. he's head he's like that is he but he says that it's so important and and he he also understands the the kind of the strangeness of it you know yeah. like he'd be laughing when he was telling us yeah so it's not like that he's just institutionalized and this is what he does and like no I think no no people think about athletes a lot of the time like that of like geez it's so crazy that that's what they do but sure they probably they don't know any better like yeah, yeah he understands that that's probably not what he likes to do but it's just what he has to do yeah um i suppose that in those kind of people when people think of that it's kind of like those asian athletes but there's um like there's an argument that's made. the most racist thing you've ever said and you're like sorry I meant to say Chinese at Jesus least. Christ I meant to say Asian I was thinking but there's an argument that like oh yeah Chinese makes it so much better well it is like there was um so before the 2008 Olympics there was like an investigative journalist went to the like post elite athletes in China and like what happened to them and most of them were just like fuck they had nothing <laughs> they had no studies they had no like they were once they were dropped and in China Maybe I'm not sure the current environment, but obviously before it was like if you were dropped from the Chinese team, someone better comes along. When when yeah. they do come along, like that you're you were literally pushed aside. Like and there was yeah, I I love to find it again, but it was very interesting. You know, like that that was kind of institutional sport, and like yeah, once you're gone, you're gone. Like, but you do see that with a lot of like Western athletes kind of paid like in more flashy sports. You know, yeah, or um, we see it here in Ireland with car- so in Ireland when you're um when you're a, f- a a professional athlete for the, the as an Irish member of some kind of team, you know, as a state athlete, you're what's called carded, and um, the carded athletes are they're cutthroat, like it's gone, yeah. When it's gone, it's gone, that, and that's like they're not getting good money, no, they're they might be on like the year of the Olympics, they'll get a bit more if they're yeah. going, so they might be on between 20 and 30 thousand a year, but it's like it's it's, it's tax free to be fair, but yeah, but it, it's not like big athlete money you know no, it's like not, it's, it's tax-free but it's not stress-free like yeah 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 and then and it's we're not talking about career-ending injuries where your funding gets cut we're talking about 12 8 to 12 place kind of thing yeah or we're talking about maybe we're talking about a 10 to 12 weeks out of sport injury yeah that your funding gets cut like yeah. or oh, jesus a fucking partially acl tear where they're gone for six months you're probably looking at your funding being cut that's not Un- unless you're a big name the biz like you, yeah like if you're like Rob Hefton or something I assume he gets a bit more uh, grace in terms of that just because he's been so successful um, but that's not unique to Ireland too like that is that's no, the cry no, about no, no, no. world over yeah. and the argument there is that if you don't facilitate them when they're down they won't it's harder to facilitate everything don't really yeah. um, what's that last one you've written there uh, just routines oh yeah I kind of, kind of touched that I think yeah yeah your routine like having a routine is is yeah if uh, like everyone listens this works a job no one's a full-time athlete let's say realistically so like have your routine is your number one fan like that's yeah that's the only thing you'll facilitate being the best possible athlete you can be or doing whatever you're doing i I just like i'd like to put a point in on this that uh a lot of the time when people hear this stuff they're like oh but i've a i've a life outside of sport and that's 100 percent fair like we all do except garf (laughs) 
uh, and they're like, sure, I'm not going to do that. And then in that case, it's just like, okay, but you need to figure out what's the optimal amount of training and competing you can do. But he also, like, yeah, you just have to accept. Yeah, and it, if you're training at a weightlifting gym and everybody else there trains five or six times a week, mm-hmm. uh, but you do, you like going fishing. Yeah. And you're like, sure, Jesus. And you kind of half do the sessions and you might be falling in and falling out of training programs that you're always trying to catch up. That is that is in no, like you're better off to train three times a week yeah. or two times a week. Still do whatever you do outside of training or outside of sport. Yeah. But then those training sessions are a hell of a lot better yeah. when people are writing the programs or facilitating your training sessions or coaching you. They understand it's not that you're a shit athlete or it's not that you don't take yourself seriously or anything like that or don't take them seriously as a coach. Like the coach will much prefer you just being like this is the maximum amount of time yep. i'm comfortable spending on this yeah uh what can we do around that yeah thanks for listening guys